everybody. Welcome to the First Pres Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast channel or our YouTube channel for the latest Sunday messages. We're so glad that you're listening, and we are praying that the following message inspires you to take your next steps towards Jesus. Well, good morning, friends. Those of you here in the room and those online, I want to ask you to just take a deep breath and settle in. The season of wonder has begun. It's exciting. Every year, we lean in a little early, trying to get to Christmas, bring it forward to us a little quicker. We long for the wonder and the hope of the Christmas season. We all try to hold off, but it's not easy, especially this year. I know that decorating started early. How many of you had your trees up long before this weekend? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, great. Our our neighborhood started lighting up um, several weeks ago. Christmas music began playing in our house just a couple weeks ago, and we discovered we had a tree we actually never took down from last year, so that worked out well for us. (laughs) But today it begins, right? Today, the first Sunday of Advent, the wait is finally over. And do you know what we do now? That's right. We wait some more. Advent is a season of waiting, and today the official waiting begins. It's a time of hopeful and expectant waiting, though, waiting for Christ to come, for a weary world to once again experience the birth of her Savior. With our brothers and sisters across the globe, we enter this season of waiting together, waiting for the coming of the Christ child, and indeed it is the most wonderful time of the year. Today we begin by listening to the words of the prophet Isaiah. For the birth of Jesus was long foretold before it came to pass. It was long expected. It was not an afterthought of the living God. It was always God's good intention to save us. So I invite you to open your Bibles to Isaiah 64. Let's open our hearts in prayer as we approach the word of God, which will be read this morning by Roy and Janice Strickler. Let's pray. Lord, we do ask this morning that your word would go forth and plant itself deep within our hearts. Lord, here in the room, across our living rooms, across the city, that we would hear your word, that your spirit would quicken our spirits, and that you would grow something new in our lives today. Lord, open our ears, soften our hearts. We long to hear your voice above all other voices. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. We are Roy and Janice Strickler, and we're reading from Isaiah chapter 64. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains would tremble before you. As when fire sets twigs ablaze and causes water to boil, come down to make your name known to your enemies and cause the nations to quake before you. For when you did awesome things that we did not expect, you came down, and the mountains trembled before you. Since ancient times no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God beside you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. You come to the help of those who gladly do right, who remember your ways. But when we continue to sin against them, you are angry. How then can we be saved? All of us have become like one who is unclean, 
and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf, and like the wind our sins swept us away. No one calls on your name or strives to lay hold of you, for you have hidden your face from us and have given us over to our sins. Yet you, Lord, are our Father. We are the clay, you are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. Do not be angry beyond measure, Lord. Do not remember our sins forever. O look on us, we pray, for we are all your people. Amen. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And thanks, Roy and Janice. The Old Testament prophets, Isaiah and others, were the mouthpiece of God for the people of God. They called God's people back to relationship with the Lord, and sometimes they spoke in harsh words, and they probed the future with powerful visions and dreams, things that they saw in their imaginations. Isaiah is often called the prophet of holiness because he was set aside for his prophetic task in a moment of devastating recognition of his own sin and the absolute holiness of God. And through poetry, prose, pictures, and visions, Isaiah preached throughout his book the destructive nature of sin and pointed to a holy God who would rescue his faithless, unresponsive, and stubborn people. And so as we come to Isaiah 64 today, we stumble upon Isaiah in a prayer, a passionate prayer before the Lord. Israel right now is in captivity once again under the Babylonian Empire. And Isaiah in this prayer pleads with God that he would come down to rescue them, that he would come like he did in the Exodus to shake the mountains, to pour out rescue and strength on his people. And at the same time, as you listen to that chapter read, Isaiah also pours out his own grief over the sin of the people. They are unclean, he says. They are, their acts are like filthy rags. They have forgotten God, and God has given over them over to their sin. And at the moment that we crash into this prayer, I imagine Isaiah is, is, has a moment of inspiration. He's full of emotion. Maybe he lifts his hands in the air, realizing that there's only one way for this whole mess to be fixed. He prays, oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains would tremble before you, O oh Lord. Lord, that you would tear open the heavens and come down, that you would rip apart the sky, God, and descend. Come and rescue. In one heartfelt moment, Isaiah adds a rather aggressive picture to our litany of Christmas images, right? We've got angels singing, shepherds hurrying, stars shining and snow falling, and we see the sky being ripped apart, heavens torn open a new Christmas image for us. It's a violent image, a ferocious act, a fierce intrusion. Isaiah touches a nerve. He exposes in this moment the depth of our dilemma. Sin is no small thing, and the remedy for sin will have to be uncompromising. You see, at Jesus' birth, God tears through the heavens and comes down. As we sang earlier, heaven comes down. Heaven is on its way. I suppose it's much like a little child on Christmas morning who rips open their packages. Maybe that's just the simplest way to remember this image. 
that God tears apart the sky, tears apart the barriers, and comes to us. Isaiah asks the question kind of halfway through this chapter, how can we be saved? And the only answer he comes up with is that God must tear through the heavens and come down. Underneath the beauty and loveliness of Christmas, God rips open the separation between God and humankind, and Jesus comes. In this passage, Isaiah pleads with God to do once again awesome things that we did not expect. What Isaiah prays for in this moment is another Exodus moment, the moment when God came down on Mount Sinai and the mountain was covered in fire and smoke. And we read in Exodus 19 that the whole mountain shook violently. Now that was amazing, Lord. Do that again. God would eventually answer Isaiah's prayer, but not quite in the way that Isaiah imagines. God's answer is to tear open heaven, but God does not come this time as an earthquake or a mountain shaker, although word has it that's still a possibility. Rather, God comes as a tiny, helpless, and vulnerable infant lying in a manger. God comes as a whisper. How silently, how silently, the wondrous gift is given, and we wait on the Lord for his unexpected gift. Now, interestingly, it's the prophet Isaiah that can help us handle this paradox, the paradox of a sky being violently ripped open and God coming down and the vulnerable birth of a little baby. Earlier on in Isaiah, Isaiah speaks, for to us a child is born, a son is given. You remember that. The government will be on his shoulders. The great joy of the nation, the dawning of the light and the darkness will begin with the birth of a child. Isaiah has already imagined this moment. So the image of heaven torn open is a powerful image. It's a big image. It's a, it's a crazy image. It's a ferocious image. And I want you to hold that image in your head today. Sometimes pictures push us, push their way deeper into our hearts, stirring wonder and question and longing. The sacred work of the imagination is to see things as they should be, not merely as they are. So hold on to that image. And today I want to share along with that three images from Isaiah 64 that help tell the story of this chapter, of what Isaiah is speaking to get across to us. Images that are common and I think can help us faithfully wait in this time of Advent for the coming of Jesus. These are Isaiah's pictures that spill out in this prayer moment. Maybe you caught them in the reading. Image number one comes early in the passage, verse two. As when fire sets twigs ablaze and causes water to boil, come down and make your name known, O Lord. The first image is what I call Isaiah's image of certainty, the image of fire, and what fire does to wood and to water. When fire comes in contact with dry twigs, they will burn up. That is a certainty. When a pot of water is set over a fire, the water will boil. Just last week, I left a pan of water on the stove and I turned it on and I left the room and I totally forgot that I had done that. In fact, I left the house and went to run errands and in a moment of panic, remembered in line that I had left a pot of water on the stove. I called home frantically to find out that yes, the water had boiled, the water had disappeared, and the pan was almost ruined, but my husband smelled it and got there quick. 
and got it off to avoid disaster. I was frustrated, friends, but I was not surprised. There is no mystery in these metaphors. It is a certainty that fire will burn things. And so as fire will certainly burn sticks and water, so Isaiah is certain that God can rend the heavens and come down to us. God can rip open the sky and enter our world. God can tear through anything that separates us from his presence. He can do that. God is the great barrier breaker. Nothing can stand in his way. Of this, Isaiah is certain. So what are you certain about as we enter this Christmas season? There's not much certainty right now for us to grab onto. It's hard to come by. What will happen next? Will I actually be able to see friends and family at Christmas? What about school? What will happen if I get sick? What level are we on? Will our business survive another shutdown? Lots of uncertainty right now. But Isaiah's image of fire and wood and water challenges us to rest our hope on what is certain. And what is, is, is certain to Isaiah is that God can get to you and to me. That is a certainty. Do you know that? Do you believe that? Do you know that God can find you, that God can come to you, that God can tear through the complexities of your life and find you right where you are? Doesn't matter what you've done, what mess you're in, how broken you feel, how distant you feel from God. Christmas is about the certainty that God closes the distance, that God tears through the vastness that isolates you from him and he finds you. Fire will burn and the Lord will come. Which leads us to image number two. Here's a dry and shriveled leaf, a withered and faded leaf. In autumn, the leaves fall, they dry up, they're blown away, or we rake them up and dispose of them. They are lifeless, dead, brittle, their time is over. This is Isaiah's image of separation. Here are his words. We all shrivel up like a leaf, and like the wind, our sins sweep us away. Isaiah's picture of what sin does to us and what it is doing to God's people in chapter 64 is contained in this little picture of a dry leaf. Eugene Peterson uses the phrase sin-dried to describe what happens to someone separated from God by sin. Sin dries up our lives and decays our existence. Separated from the giver of life, we shrivel up and are swept away. Our souls become thin and fragile and dehydrated. It's a far contrast from just a few chapters earlier where Isaiah talked about the image of the people of God being called oaks of righteousness to display the splendor of the Lord. Isaiah's walked with the people of God through four kings for more than 40 years, and he has watched God's people disobey and pursue other gods. He's watched them sin against God and neighbor and then come back to the Lord for a little while only to fall into sin again. It's a cycle they cannot break on their own. It's a cycle they cannot exit, get out of on their own. And it's a cycle that we can't break either. 
If you're at home today, you can probably just look out your front window and see a pile of leaves on the yard in front of you. I love this image. I think the image of a dry leaf in, in the autumn is actually the perfect image for how sin works. You know, you, you spend hours raking up leaves. You get them bagged. You get them all cleaned up. The yard looks great. You're satisfied. And then you wake up the next morning only to find another whole blanket of leaves covers the yard again. And so we go through that pattern over and over. That's the fall, my friends. In 1846, American writer Nathaniel Hawthorne wrote a short story called The Christmas Banquet. And in the story, an old wealthy man man dies and leaves in his will that his fortune should be used to throw a grand Christmas meal every year for the 10 most miserable people that could be found. The two stewards in charge of the task every year have to go out and look for those kind of 10 people every year and bring them to this wonderful and luxurious banquet. But the odd thing is that every year, one particular man is always invited, yet he doesn't seem particularly unfortunate or needy or miserable at all. Gervais Hastings is his name, and he has all the comforts of life. He has a loving family. He is quite merry every year, and it's baffling to the guests. Why is Gervais at the table every year among the miserable? And finally, at the end of the story, the man himself reveals his plight. He says he is unable to feel hope or fear. He has no ability to embrace an afterlife or to connect with others at a human level. His heart, he says, is a thing of vapor, chilly and joyless. He has everything he could possibly want or need, yet he is the most miserable of all men. Now let me just say, this is not the Christmas story to read on Christmas Eve. (laughs) This is a reflective and melancholy story, much like the mood of Hawthorne, if you're familiar with his writing. But the point is clear. In Isaiah's words, Gervais is a shriveled leaf, a dried up soul, And at the end of Hawthorne's story, he is simply swept away into nothingness. Isaiah grieves over the lifeless, listless, withered existence of the people of God. Maybe you're entering the season of Advent in a fragile and dried up place. Maybe your soul is thirsty and worn out. The reality is, friends, that we cannot heal ourselves. We cannot reattach to God on our own strength. And so at Christmas, Jesus comes to us to end the separation, to be born into our world, and to be born in us this day. Each of the gospel writers makes it clear how we enter relationship with God. Repent and believe, proclaims Jesus, for the kingdom of God has come near Isaiah's own repentance shows us the simplicity of owning our own sin and becoming aware of the presence of God near us. Isaiah writes, Woe to me, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. The psalmist in, in Psalm 116 puts it even more simply as he repents, Lord, save me. Perhaps your Advent prayer this year is even more simple than that. Lord, help. 
Isaiah shows us that God himself rips through the heavens to find you, to respond to your cry for help. The Lord comes to our aid in a most powerful way. Which brings us to our final picture, the final image for today. Here it is, a potter shaping his or her clay. It is Isaiah's image of belonging and beauty. You see, to be saved means to belong to God, to belong to his people. And belonging to God is about our lives becoming a thing of beauty in the potter's hands. Isaiah reminds God who God is. It's a pretty bold prayer, but he says this, yet you, Lord, are our father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are all the work of your hands. You see, we've been created by the hand of God to remain in the hand of God. We are God's workmanship, and we belong to him. You have not only been fearfully and wonderfully made, like the psalmist sings, but you are being fearfully and wonderfully made. Your whole life, all of it, is the artwork of God our Father. Sometimes we have to wait for the beauty to emerge from the cold clay. This pandemic has caused all sorts of disruption in our lives, sickness, death, separation. And it's not just here in our county or in our state or in our nation, it's global. I had the chance to get on a call with one of our global partners and just hear how this pandemic is affecting all nations. We're not alone in this. It's put a strain upon our understanding, too, of our own belonging. Where do we belong? Who do we connect with? Thanksgiving tables last week that were normal, would normally have been full of family and friends and recent acquaintances were pared down in many ways to smaller numbers around tables. I think we're all making the best of it, but it represents nine months of strained relational connection, limited physical touch. It's even hard to see smiles anymore that connect us one to another. I wonder what God could be making in our world right now. I wonder what he's forming in your life, in our life together as a church. What beauty is God making right now out of cold, wet clay? I don't know for sure, but a potter makes beautiful things out of ugly slabs of clay. He forms, he fashions, sometimes he starts over, but rest assured, the master potter keeps his hand on the clay and makes beauty. Perhaps what is most important for you this Christmas is to remind it, be reminded that God is making something beautiful in your life. Maybe some of you are already beginning to see what that is. I hope so. I, I pray that this Christmas God would give us a glimpse of the beauty that he is creating in your heart. So three images from Isaiah. The igniting fire of certainty. God is coming near. A shriveled leaf of separation and a sin-sick soul. What it looks like when we're separated from God. A potter in his clay, an image of beauty and belonging, reminding us who we belong to and who's at work in our lives. Which image today from Isaiah helps you engage with God in this time of waiting 
in this time of Advent? Is there an image that Isaiah gives to you today that causes you to wonder and ask questions and to feel your soul beginning to stir? Are you in need of an anchor point today, a certainty? Put water on the stove, watch it boil, and remember, oh yes, God comes. Jesus is coming near. Are you aware today of your endless striving to manage your sin, to try to make it better, but you find your soul brittle, breaking apart like a dry leaf? Maybe that's where you are today. Walk in your yard, grab a leaf, and ask God for help. Maybe you need to know that God is making something beautiful in your life. You need to see it. You need a glimpse from the Lord that he's actually doing an amazing thing in your soul and your heart. Reach out and ask God, just give me a picture, Lord. Remind me of the beautiful person that you are making me to be. Wherever you are, the Lord is coming. He's breaking through barriers to find you. He's ripping apart the heavens to get to you. So let's light the candle of faith today and put our hope and our trust in the promises of God, in his word, and then let's step back in wonder and amazement and then wait for the unexpected gift, surprises of God. Jesus is coming. The hope of heaven is on his way. Jesus, we know today that you are our only hope. Lord, our souls are weary and dry. Our world is weary and waiting. We need a savior. Lord, wherever we are today in this place, would you find us and speak your hope and comfort into our lives? Lord, remind us that you are the maker of beautiful things. And so in this time of waiting, Lord, give us patience and wonder. Fill us with the nearness of your spirit. Thank you, Lord, that you tore it all apart to come and enter our world. Find us, each of us today, Lord. In the name of Christ, we pray. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Colorado Springs area, we would love to meet you on a Sunday morning. To plan your visit, head to our website at firstprescos.org. That's F-I-R-S-T-P-R-E-S-C-O-S dot org.